Cool. There we have Paul. Awesome. I see there's some peeps joining too. Welcome everyone. Even got a heart there. That's a good start. <laughs> Thank you guys. Amazing. So, hey, uh, my name is Marcus, and this is the first time that I ever speak publicly. And so this is the first time you hear my voice. So I'm a little bit nervous, but I think this is going to be fun. And um, I have uh, a little bit backstory to, to why we're doing this live. It's basically that I've been thinking for quite some time, to be honest, to, to do more content where, where I speak and uh, where, where I want to explain things. But then I realized that I'm not the expert. I'm just a, like a mid-pack rider. I'm, I'm a newbie. I only rode my bike now for four years and I, I do a lot of mistakes. And you're probably going to hear a couple of, hear about a couple of them um, right here today. Uh, <laughs> and so I, that got me thinking while I was out riding one day, I was like, why don't I start with Instagram Live or something similar to, to invite people that has way more experience and way more expertise than me. And uh, so you might know that I'm working with some, some different friends. And today we had the opportunity to speak to the most incredible person that, that uh, I met lately. Uh, his name is Paul Sollenberger and he works with the ceramic speed and he's a senior product manager there he's been with the company for 10 years but i don't i'm not going to steal your thunder too much now paul so hey how are you doing today i'm doing great marcus that's a hell of an intro there and i'm excited and uh yeah uh awesome to be here to help uh launch this off and see see how it can go perfect uh i'm i'm right here in one of the bedrooms in my house right now i'm in uh, northern germany just let let the audience know where where you where are you based right now? Uh, I'm in our uh, U.S. office uh, in Boulder, Colorado. I'm sitting in what used to be the Friction Facts uh, Efficiency Lab here. I see all the products behind you there. I think we're going to speak about a couple few of them. A few of them. Um, awesome. So let me just start off a little bit easy on you, right? So what 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 kind of bike do you ride, and why do you ride? Um, so I've been a rider since uh, I was a kid. Uh, it was uh, that first thing to, you know, ride to the park, ride to school, and it was a family activity, racing from a young age. But I do gravel, mountain bike, uh, road, uh, ride a little bit of everything. Um, for this audience, all, you know, my gravel bike is a Bentham GS1 uh, set up with 650s and, uh, you know, kind of just a fun, uh, it's my super commuter, you know, ride all over the front range kind of rig that's that's awesome you know i ride a lot of 650v as well and there's a lot of there's a big debate about that and i've gotten so many questions and that's actually also one of the reasons why i wanted to do more content where i speak but i didn't feel comfortable doing that so that's that's a different topic that i'm going to bring up uh, later on so that's a teaser for everyone that joins right now that we're going to talk about 650v versus 700c not 750d whatever it's called <laughs> now <laughs> that's that sounds ludicrous so i'm not going to include that cool and um, so and and i would like to thank the audience as well for for sending a lot of uh, questions unfortunately the last uh, question box that i put out on instagram actually didn't work so i haven't received any of those questions so these are the questions that i got from last week from you guys so much appreciated you can uh, as well, I think there is a Q&A functionality around here, so you can also send questions and I'll try to see if I can dig them up from, from the interface. Uh, I never used this interface in Instagram before, so bear with me. Um, but otherwise, I have prepared a little bit. And, and the first uh, <laughs> very interesting question is, so is, is it actually true uh, that you, your favorite food is banana? 
fan of pancakes. <laughs> uh, you know, it might not be my favorite food, but it's definitely one that has a fun inside story. Uh, going back to when I started with Ceramic Speed uh, you know, more than eight years ago, um, go traveling with what is now a really good friend of mine, a Red Bull videographer, Jesper Gronemark. And uh, I had not a clue of any Danish and we would leave the, the go and travel and he'd say Uta Kamun, which is uh, now a tattoo on my arm, uh, get out of the community, go travel. Uh, and I would respond with banana pancakes because I had no clue what he was saying. And I'm just kind of a smart <laughs> ass like that. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's got a fun backstory though, but yeah, I'll never pass down some, uh, some banana pancakes. Banana pancakes. That's awesome. Do you, is it maple syrup then as well? Oh yeah. Or? Yeah. I still gotta have the maple syrup. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that too. That's one of the things, one of the greatest things. Tell me, you work at Ceramic Speed. Can you tell me where does, where, where, how does that story start? Uh, where, where is that company coming from? Yeah, um, so this is actually a really cool one because it's not cycling related specifically. Um, we are on, uh, uh, you know, going almost to our 20 year anniversary of being uh, established as a company, but we go back even earlier to uh, 1998. Our founder, JC uh, Jakobsis Madia, he was looking to actually set an inline uh, skating record, a furthest distance skated in 24 hours. Um, and he couldn't achieve this 500 kilometer, you know, glass ceiling uh, and studied some technology. Skating like Nordic, Nordic skis or like inline uh, like, skates? Uh, or roller skates, inline skates. Roller skates. Uh, four big Holy wheels. And, yeah, yeah so, of course. Um, he did some studying inspired by NASA technology of the 90s. And that's where the uh, first application of a hybrid ceramic bearing used in sports application was used. And he broke the record over five. 500 kilometers in 24 hours. So we went from, wow. uh, you know, there was a problem to solve and he found a way to uh, keep the wheels spinning, so to say, um, and, you know, further that record. And that started the proof of concept of using these hybrid ceramic bearings for sports. Oh, that's amazing. That's a great backstory. Like really trying to solve a real life problem, or I mean, maybe it was not a third, <laughs> I mean, like that, but then making that he was a, determined. Such, such a huge thing that it became incredible. And, uh, I'm I'm kind of also sort of partially also very happy about ceramic speed because this ceramic speed is based off of Denmark, and I'm I'm from Sweden, which is a neighboring country. So I kind of also almost think that uh, ceramic speed belongs to I mean, yeah, almost Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a good connectivity in the Nordics, so uh, definitely proudly based uh, there in Denmark. I was just there uh, the last two weeks. Yeah. All right, now we're going to get into some of the other sort of tougher questions. Um, this, this, this is also a big debate, and I've been chatting a lot with people about this, and, and I think there's, there's sort of many truths to these kind of stories about uh, oil versus uh, wax. Where, where, where do you stand on that, and, what, and why? Um, wax through and through. Uh, and, you know, the big piece of that is uh, I was fortunate to get to stand by Jason Smith as he did a lot of the testing with friction packs and such and seeing how different lubricants worked on on chains. Um, you know, a clean chain is a fast chain and it's not just the mental my bike's clean, but you don't have the uh, the sticky, uh, you know, the grippiness of a wet lubricant or something like that. When you have that clean wax drivetrain, it automatically is going to stay cleaner longer because stuff's not going to stick to it. And then you're also going to have less friction because it takes less energy for the chain to lift off the chain rings, off the pulleys. You know, it's eight different points of contact and articulation through a drivetrain. It's a lot of little movements and that's what just adds up. So I, I am a lazy rider. I want to park the bike after the ride. I'm going to come back, you know, check the air on the, you know, the next ride and get back out there. Uh, I, I use our app here. I'm going to, you know, shamelessly plug the ceramic speed app because it reminds me to keep up on my own maintenance better. 
by a clean drivetrain, I do a whole lot less work on my bike and I don't have to clean it as often. Yeah. So we're spoiled here in Colorado. We don't deal with a lot of the mud and the, the wet. So uh, I appreciate, you know, the drivetrain, dry wax, keeps everything running smoother and cleaner. Yeah, and that actually brings me to, to that's segues into maybe a, uh, a question that I have for you as well. Like, okay, I have three different loops, three different. There's yep. one that says, what does this one say? It says, uh indoor and track this one says wet condition and this one says all conditions why do i need all three like, <laughs> it's a solid seriously. question i'm i'm totally an all conditions writer the all conditions product is what we've had in the market for the last few years so that's that was the larger black round bottle the ceramic speed ufo drip uh that is now the all conditions so that's what i use through and through i have dry dusty conditions i get intermittent you know mountain rains that's just you know huge uh, sprinkles very happy with how that product holds up for those conditions 300 kilometers or so for me it's like weekly or so that i'm throwing a fresh coating on the chain but i don't usually have to clean it in between i can just throw a fresh coating and it stays clean but now i mean now when we get it uh, maybe i'm interrupting you but now we're getting into the season where it starts to come sort of things from the sky falling down on us and so, some people then stay inside some stay outside i do both well, <laughs> kind of and, and this is where, yeah, yeah. the next two products kind of perfectly answer that. Um, you know, the first one, the wet conditions, well, you know, a lot of Northern Europe, the spring classic racing season, that kind of stuff deals with a lot of moisture uh, and the enemy of wax. When we don't have the oil to it, then water is going to soften it and we'll mm. basically work it away quicker. So that was hey. a shortcoming in the all conditions. If you were writing in properly wet, consistent, you know, uh, pouring down uh, conditions, that's where waxes are, you know, weaker. So we were able to formulate a new formula that has, you know, a little bit more adhesion to it. It's using some different modifiers in the waxes there, some that lean into oils. It doesn't run quite as clean, so you're not going to ride it in dusty, dry conditions, but it does phenomenal in holding up against the wet conditions. So is that, you know, complement to where did the original UFO drip, you know, lack a little bit? This is the one that can stand there and, you know, give the ultimate efficiency while also running clean as possible in those wetter conditions. There's so many questions popping up in my head but, but now now i'm going to ask you because you mentioned it ufo i mean for me that's that's something that has to do with extraterrestrials right but why <laughs> out of this world right uh actually originally uh it is ultra fast optimization so that stems back okay. um uh, even before uh ceramic speed brought the ufo family to market it stems back to friction facts uh, developing this as a, you know, blended wax treatments and optimizing these chains by hand. So cool. we still continue with that, uh, that hand optimization of the chains just on a larger scale in Denmark now. Uh, and now the UFO family itself has grown to encompass a whole range of, uh, of bike care products to take care of all under the name of, you know, ecologically friendly, bio, uh, biodegradable and efficiency. Yeah, cool. I mean, someone like me that's been sort of raised with ET and stuff like that, I love UFO. So <laughs> for me, it's, it's kind of fits perfect. Um, but to, to segue to a different thing, you mentioned that the drip wax does not only include wax, right? And and that mm -hmm. brings me to my next topic, because there is this scale of also perception of people that sort of, oh, if you want to do wax, you should go hardcore waxing, and then you can only do hard wax, right? You need to you need to immerse it. You need to yeah melt the wax. And you need to have the crock pot and all those things, right? But that there's that's that's a cumbersome process, right? So I've tried it. I've tried it, and then taking off the chain, you have to clean it. You have to do this and that, and you have to wait. And you have to put it on and blah 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 blah. Yeah, you know the drill. Um. So why why do ceramic speed not do a hard wax? Why why do you only have drip waxes? Why what's why? 
Um, well, it's uh, fairly simple in how we, you know, got the feedback from the broader market. You know, there is a growing contingency that does do the crockpot method. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's almost a kind of meditative, I'm going to, you know, go through these steps. I know I'm preparing it and that kind of stuff. Uh, that was the root of the UFO chain. That was originally how the UFO chain was done. We just do it in industrial size ovens now instead of a crockpot. So we're still going through a heated chain and then, you know, melted wax formula dunking the chain full submersion bringing it out that's how the ufo chain our factory optimization is done so why we don't then offer just the you know the hot wax as it stands there today right now uh was we wanted the other version we wanted the you know liquid chain coating in a bottle to where you didn't have to remove the chain and keep up with the quick links and you know having the dripping and you know oh, we're going to make stew so let me get out of the crock pot you know you, you get the difference you know the different steps there versus myself i want to you know just throw a coating on the front on the chain let it dry and then I can go for a ride without having to keep up with those pieces. So sure. the, the UFO drip family, um, you know, we're a bit stubborn about it. We call it a coating and we want to treat it as a liquid chain coating. So not an oil or a lubricant specifically, but okay. a coating. So it's a bottled coating. We want to put a heavy coating on the chain, allow it to dry on there. And that's akin to doing the submersion wax and then placing it on the chain. Ah, cool. Like I will start, I will try to remember to call it coating mm -hmm. from now on then. <laughs> It just gives us a different way to think of yeah. it because, you know, the number one rule with lube always was, you know, less is more, don't put so much on, but we're yeah. trying to replicate a submerged wax coating. Yeah. So you can't submerge it and only have a little on there. You want to properly have a coating. And so using that term as a coating helps, you know, kind of resonate in the mind. It's not just a lube, it's not oil, you know, drop by drop, but rather I want to put a liquid coating on my oh, paint. That's true. And then this also brings me to my next question, which is also coming from from um, some some of the audience and the followers, right? That how how much do I need to put on there? Like you all, <laughs> this is funny. And how should I do it? Because it's, now I'm show, showing you guys that I'm not the perfect person in this case. You kind of called called me out on on the on the reel that I made when I when I first put on uh, mm -hmm. uh, the UFO coding and. Uh, tell me what how should i do it what what did i do what what did you go wrong so we uh we've done a lot of testing with this to kind of find how's the appropriate way to put it on there and the average quantity we want to increase the weight of the chain by eight to ten grams so wow. on the bottle that's going to be eight to ten milliliters and exactly it is wow this is why you know we would never ever ever put eight milliliters of oil on our chain it'd be sopping everywhere yeah but because wax we're wanting to create a wax layer that's between all the the plates, the rollers, the pens, getting down inside the chain um, and getting it inside the chain is a critical piece there that, you know, it's going to take, you know, a fair bit of lubricant there because you also you have the water, the uh, the emulsified, you know, the moisture that allows it to be liquid that needs to evaporate and dry away. So that's going to be a component of how much you have there. So to, to get there, the most common way we found. If you go, you know, over the cassette area, uh, if you're on the ground, you know, you can turn the cranks backwards. You want to go around the chain twice. So having the quick link come around, you know, this nice, easy, you know, uh, turning of the cranks. And then you're going to do an additional two coatings on the inside. So down between the derailleur and the crank set. So that inner uh -huh. side, uh, either which way you go about it, because, you know, that's four coatings. The, the goal is that four coatings, which gives us that average eight to 10 milliliters. So now gotcha. if you just stop turning the cranks, you're going to be like, there's a mess all over the outside of my chain. Yeah, so if yeah, you think yeah, about yeah. a normal drivetrain, again, we only have eight points of uh, articulation. Uh, so as the chain goes around, if you only did twice around the chain, that means each link only moved 16 times. And that's not nearly enough for the lubricant to get down inside there. So, you know, we're recommending, you know, continue turning the cranks just a moderate pace, about another 30 seconds after you apply it. 
that's going to get the wax to go down in there. So that's Perfect. the biggest difference we've seen is, you know, it takes a little bit more in this setup phase. Yeah. And, you know, we can totally say, yep, it's going to take a little bit more than just, you know, throwing a couple drops of oil on, but it's not nearly as much time as it is to take the chain off and crock pot it and heat it and let it dry and hang and then put it back on and you got the wax underneath, so on yeah. and so forth. So and you it's, need to it's change you know, steps the, in there. Uh, uh, yeah. you, need to, you need to put a new... Uh, Quick click on there and blah blah blah, blah all that thing. Definitely but sure. You, yeah. um, you, you, you mentioned it as well, but I think it's it's important to call out, right? That I mean, oil you put on, you can go out and ride it immediately. But with 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 this kind of stuff, um, you said that it needs to evaporate. The, is it water in there, or what? And for how long do I need to wait, like until the bike is rideable? Within quotes. So yeah, it's a it's a a water base, uh, and that's what's evaporating there from the chain. Um. The reason you let it dry is so you can get all those benefits of the dry wax on the chain. So if you just apply it on the chain and go ride, you're still going to get the uh, you know the protection and the lubricity from you know being a, a lubricant, but you're not going to get the benefits of it being a dry wax because you now have a, a liquid wax that has water in it that is you know going to accumulate uh, debris and such that's in the air. Even a perfectly clean road ride, you know we've all had that you know just a little bit of dust on the legs. You start to sweat a little bit. That stuff that's in the air just constantly sticks to our bike, and it's why our oil turns black over time. So mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to resist, and the wax will do so when. And it can be a dry wax as long as it's wet stuff's going to still stick to it understood that's i also had a question i don't remember who sent it now but like how how for how long does the chain like kind of stay fresh or new like where because um do you have a like ballpark range there i mean depends like, yeah now i'm gonna not gonna answer you, but I, that's what i would say <laughs> Um, so 300Ks is, uh, you know, the tested, um, you know, uh, durability longevity of the coating where we see an even, you know, test results and the efficiency and there's no deterioration to the chain itself. Um, wet conditions will shorten that, uh, you know, depending on how dry uh, here in Colorado, it gets a very, very fine dusty powder. Um, you know, I will between coatings, I'll wipe that off with a clean cloth. Um, and I usually see, you know, 250 to 300 kilometers, you know, it's, it's dustier. So it is kind of getting in there a little bit, but as long as it stays dry, it prevents it from, you know, really becoming a problem. So, yeah. you know, that 250 to 300K is the average, you know, expect, uh, expected uh, interval there. That's quite a lot to be honest, um, in my, in my mind, at least. And that kind of, again, segues to the next uh, topic that I had in mind. And that's talking about sort of cleaning. There's, for me, there's like two ways to clean, right? There, that's the one where you just clean post ride right maybe that's not you need to now maybe now i'm just showing off that i'm stupid again but then you, you not, might not want to go as deep into your cleaning routine uh, or maybe you don't need to and uh, but and then but before you put on new coating then i guess you need to go a little bit deeper can you, can you talk a little bit about that and what, what what is sort of yeah how to go about it yeah certainly um, so it's going to depend on the condition of the ride. So, you know, like I was kind of mentioning, we have these, uh, these, you know, dusty conditions for gravel and such here. Um, you know, if, if it's a fine coating, if I can still see the details of the chain easily, it doesn't look visually contaminated. Um, you know, then I'm going by, uh, you know, uh, just you know, running a clean cloth over the top of the chain. So that way I take off any of that dust that's kind of settled there. I'm just pulling that away. Um, and then I'll apply a fresh coating on top of that. Yeah. So I'll go five or six coatings in between needing to actually do a drivetrain clean and you know, really get down in there. Uh, when we first were doing the testing back in 2017, I think it was with this current formula, 
uh, I went all summer without actually degreasing and cleaning my drivetrain just to test the efficiency over time of that dry coating. Wow. Uh, and it was you know, wildly impressive to stay so stable. So as long as you stay in that nice little range where you can wipe off the dry dust, you can continue to apply and let the wax get down in there. And it really, you know, it stays pretty nice and clean. So when you get the wild cards, the wet and the moisture, you know, things are going to soften and then it starts to you know, get that pasty type action that's going to change it. So say when we get to that point, um, that's where we have our UFO, uh, UFO clean drivetrain. So the product there for, um, you know, cleaning the drivetrain, this is actually what we use in our own facility for prepping chains for the UFO process, mm -hmm. um, non-toxic biodegradable. Uh, designed to spray onto the drivetrain and then rinse off. Uh, and we did test it over, you know, the grass and in the yard, that kind of stuff, make sure, you know, uh, we're not leaving dead spots and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it gives you a very easy to use, uh, you know, uh, formula there. Spray it on, you're going to agitate it, you're going to get it wet, let it, you know, kind of uh, do its job, and then you're going to rinse it. And it actually turns white and then it'll run clear when it's fully rinsed off. So uh, uh, okay. this one's been uh, super well received. Uh, we don't do it in a half liter size bottle. Um, and it's been a great compliment to the UFO products there because, yeah, it's just so simple and easy to clean it. It preps it. Uh, and then once it's clean, uh, the chain is clean and dry, then you're ready to apply a fresh coating. Well, lucky me. I actually used that dry train um, cleaner the other day and I, 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 I did it on my lawn. So <laughs> lucky it was safe. this thing then because then I didn't destroy my just newly, newly made lawn. Mm -hmm. um, okay, cool. And you mentioned as well uh, one thing about like w using a kind of product like this when you clean, right? I, as I understand as well, you should be a little bit careful because when you do that deep cleaning, you could also sort of get stuff into the bearings, right? And and you so you need to be a bit careful with the bearings, right? And you there is also this you have bearing grease as one of your products as well. Sort of how does that come into play with the? Yes. Yeah, so so we have a, a com complete range of products now um, for uh, anything really that that we associate with. We work with the drivetrain, we work with the bearings. Um, so you know we have the drivetrain products and the you know, lubricants, and then for the bearings, we have a bearing cleaner and the bearing grease. So uh, and there's actually also a pulley oil, so bearing oil. Uh, specifically for the non-loaded bearings and the pulleys. So uh, on on you know things like our standard pulleys or oversized pulleys, those run with just the oil, and it's a you know a light contact seal, and the oil's there just to flush through on the bearings. Um, they're the most exposed bearing on the bike, but also the uh, fastest turning bearing on the bike. So this is where you know we take some of these choices and how we construct the bearing. Um, you know non-corrosive metals and such in the races allow it to uh, you know have as little drag as possible and then we're just recommending you know anytime the bike gets wet you wash the bike right in the rain give a couple drops of pulley oil to each of the pulleys then you have grease in your bottom bracket and your uh, your wheel bearings and such and that's where you're going to have a longer service interval um you know the light contact seals that we use and the greases that we use the grease is really kind of a wet gasket so it's designed to you know create a low friction uh, low drag uh protection behind the seal itself to keep moisture and you know contamination out so when you're washing the bike and that stuff you know we don't want to full pressure wash jet wash directly at the bearings um but you know general washing and stuff around the yeah. bike it's no different than those forces that are going to happen around hubs and bottom brackets and you're riding through water so. i have those small pulley wheel oil things and i whenever i've used them i always like took the whole derailleur part and 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 put it on do i need to do that i probably need to do that right 
Um, on a uh, standard size set of pulleys, it's going to depend on the stock derailleur and where the cage is. So sometimes you can access the edge of the seal, other times you uh, can't. But you really okay. got to get to the inner edge of the seal. Otherwise, you're not getting the oil really where it needs to go. Gotcha. The oversized systems on the back of the cage next to each pulley bolt is a small lubrication port. And that right there funnels it right at the edge of the seal uh, and is shown, you know, proven that we can apply oil there. And as the uh, chain moves backwards and rotate the pulleys, it gets down inside and we'll clean them. Cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. I learned a lot of things now. That's super good. Um, and, and now, so you talked about pulleys, right? And and Serenx Speed, you have this oversized pulley wheel system. And there's there's mm -hmm. other brands that has that too as well. And there's a little bit of debate about that as well. Is it worth it? Because it's quite an investment. What what uh, uh, is it? Just bling? What is it? Can you can you talk to me a little bit more about like what? the the physics behind it yeah i mean we we can't deny that you know uh, a fun bike a bike with some bling it, you know it's a little more fun to ride you feel a little cooler on it so i'm not going to say no to that um <laughs> that but you know it's not the path that we got there uh you know where we actually went um you know uh we first introduced the uh, ospw system at the end of 2015 um but three years earlier we were working with friction facts doing bearing testing um you know testing how much drag there was in you know pulley bearings and you know, we're talking really down into hundreds of a watt of drag in some of these small bearings and such. So there's only so much that we can gain from just addressing the bearing. But then we start looking at the other concepts, what creates a faster or slow drivetrain uh, in the chain. So just you spend all this time talking about the UFO products and it's all about, you know, making a chain efficient and it doesn't have to bend as much and so on and so forth. Uh, if the chain goes around a larger pulley wheel, it's not articulating, it's not bending as much. So since it has to come in and out of that pulley wheel, and the same thing, this, you know, the upper one, it has to turn over and then it has to go back to straight towards the cassette. Those four movements, if we can make them uh, where they don't have to move as much, it just automatically saves a little bit of energy. So, you know, it's four movements per chain link. So uh, I believe it was somewhere north of 40,000 chain articulations a minute at 95 RPMs with a 53 tooth chain ring. So it's, it's just insane how those little things add up so quickly and we can address them through, you know, chain lubricants and, you know, temporary uh, solutions. And then we can also, um, you know, uh, address them through a mechanical engineering solution of make the chain just do less work. Yeah. So that's where the larger pulley wheel, the OSPW oversized pulley wheel system, uh, we validated. There was a, a small outfit in Germany um, that was before us that was you know, using the concept and they were making some cages uh, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s. And so we kind of took from that idea and you know, tested it. We took it to the lab and said, what's, you know, is there actually, you know, something behind this specifically? Um, and uh, that's where Jason Smith was able to do the testing and show, yeah, you know, there's a mechanical advantage if the chain is doing less work. That is so super cool. That, I mean, you when, when you just speak about it like that, then you wonder why, why not everyone is doing it. But as I understood it, there are some pro pro peloton guys that actually buys it for themselves without being sponsored and that, that talks to me a lot about the why what what it makes uh, what kind of difference it makes i mean there's for a long time the developments in the drivetrain were largely focused in other areas you know yeah. more refinement and the number of gears used um so on and so forth uh I like it. I always remember the guy that's credited with the development of the derailleur 
Paul de Vivi. I just like his name's Paul. So, you know, it's got a nice story there to it. Um, the size disc that he used to guide the chain in tension was roughly what we have today is an 11 tooth pulley wheel size. So throughout all the different patents and on dual parallelograms and all the pieces that make a derailleur what it is today, the pulleys were really just there as a manner of function to hold the chain taut and to guide it back and forth. They weren't considered and, you know, are they causing drag or not? So it's the curious minds that get out there. And I think this could be better. I think we could make this smoother to where, you know, it consumes less energy because if there's something to be gained, why not chase it? So, yep. you know, it brings us here and now you have the expression, you can have, you know, different colors on it and, you know, just different pieces that you customize your bike. It's the big spoiler on the back of a car. You might not need it to stay on the road driving to get groceries, <laughs> but it looks cool because you customized it in a sporty way. Yeah, yeah, I, I get the point. Absolutely. So um, I think we were kind of running it. I was thinking doing this like for 30 minutes and we are almost there. But I can see now that I, we got a question in the comments from uh, Linda, uh, uh, someone that, that I chatted to with a couple of times and thank you for the support. She, she writes like this, when applying, should I count uh, with a bit of a mess underneath around the bike? And I, I, I understand what she means. Uh, that sort of, how do, you, how do you get the stuff sort of to stay on the chain ways and, and not basically waste it, right? Uh, yep. So, um, you know, this is where when I first start applying, I'll be in front of the cassette a little bit and I'm applying directly onto the top of the chain and then pedaling it backwards slowly. So that way then as it works around the cassette, it's now going to have the next pulley is going to kind of help, you know, push that lubricant and push the wax in there a little bit uh, rather than just being able to drip away to the exterior. Um, you know, I move at a fairly moderate pace, you know, uh, maybe a little faster than one revolution a second or so um you know it's just you know a moderate tempo so you're not flinging the wax everywhere um but you're keeping it moving enough that it's not having a chance to then start to move and gravity pull it straight down so it is a little bit of a balance um mm -hmm. you know there is always going to be a little bit as it's coming off around like the lower outside of the pulley or at the chain ring if it's getting real heavy there but that's where just you know a nice easy moderate stream and then keeping the chain moving um you know that's going to help it just suck down inside those rollers Okay, now I'm going to ask another stupid question. Now, and this is for me because I, <laughs> I, I just realized when I when I put on wax or a coating, uh, I normally only spin it like on one of the sprockets in the cassette. Should I also like make it sort of go up and down on the cassette so the cassette itself also gets a little bit of coating, or or is it mainly I should focus sort of on the chain? So the, the the chain is definitely the place to uh, to focus because that's pardon me that's what we're lubricating um, the cassette you know a little wax on the surface after you know a few revolutions it's it's already going to be gone so we're not not trying to coat the cassette for any kind of beneficial oh. properties. All right. All that being said, I like to shift through the cassette top to bottom mm -hmm. because that'll articulate the chain side to side. So. While it looks like we're coating the cassette, really I'm just uh, shifting to each extreme, so that way the chain gets fully articulated as I'm turning it and rotating, yeah, yeah, yeah. rotating through. Whatever those um, pieces are called, they're the, you got the, it, the links. Yeah, yeah, the links. Yep. So staying in a straight line, you're going to just have to turn and you know, rotate the cranks a bit more. Um, but shifting through from you know the extremes is allowing it to really go through the articulation uh, and think about you know go ahead and have it turned uh, you know for at least two full chain rota rotations around because each link is only getting rotated a little bit when it does that. So yeah, it does take a little bit of time uh, to really get the chain all the way through the drivetrain. Cool. That's then <laughs> I learned something even more now. Perfect. I love that. Uh, and there was a question that came in from uh, Off-Road Social. That's a cool name, by the way. I like it. 
Um, how's the shifting with the OSPW? Hey, it's all going to come down to the setup. Um, you know, really, you know, we focus on upper bearing, uh, sorry, upper pulley placement um, related to the cage and how it interfaces, that kind of stuff. That is super critical. Um, but then you have a, you know, a, a minimum uh, chain tension needed uh, for good function there. So uh, how the setup is done, and that's between spring tension and chain length, uh, is going to give you the difference of what the chain tension is, and that's really going to play the biggest part. So we know when we sponsor World Tour teams and such, um, you know, they're not going to ride these and race these if they feel like it's not going to shift under load and it's not going to respond as necessary. Um, you know, we've now had these in the market since, uh, you know, the started shipping in the spring of 2016. Um, so we've had a really, you know, good experience with these over multiple generations of group sets out there. Uh, and our, you know, gold standard, of course, is always, you know, a minimum of matching that OE uh, shift quality and responsiveness. And then if there's any other characteristics that we can improve upon, you know, those come after that focus of the shift quality. That's so uh, any, you know, questions on how does it, you know, shift, uh, you know, how does it compare? How does it relate? Um, you know, really comes down to making sure was the setup, uh, you know, dialed, uh, you know, spot on. So it takes a little more focus than the OE derailleur. And that's a big difference of they're producing tens of thousands of these, you know, quite, you know, um, regularly and just have so many more out there with a wider range of tolerance. Yeah. Uh, I, I I mounted mine by by myself. Was it March? I've been running it since since March, I think. And I mean, I think it's super super smooth to be honest. But uh, I, maybe I was just lucky putting it on. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, another question that came in from Off Road Social, and that's actually a good question because I should have asked that as well. Inside of this bottle, I don't know if you can yep. hear it. Can you hear it? Mm -hmm. What is that, and why? Uh, so it's actually it's just a nut or an agitator. Um, and it's there just to, you know, help make sure the wax stays in evenly blended. Uh, so as it goes through different temperatures, gets, you know, warmer and cooler, that kind of stuff, um, by being non-toxic, non-flammable, being a water-based emulsion, over time as it sits and goes through temperatures, it wants to, you know, kind of uh, settle a little bit and the ingredients will try to separate. So including that in there allows it to, uh, uh, you know, really uh, help blend it a lot better and keep it as smooth and fluid as possible. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Maybe everyone should have that. <laughs> um, another question that came in, I can see now, Oculo bike. Um, are racers using Serang Speed for mountain biking? Yep, yep. Yeah, we have a handful of teams uh, this season that are running uh, wheel bearings and bottom bracket bearings. Uh, I know we have some different athletes also running our uh, OSPWX systems. Um, you know, we don't have anything compatible on the transmission uh, drivetrain just yet, um, but I can say, you know, we are uh, you know, actively working on it, looking to maintain those uh, current compatibilities for sure. So, but yeah, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of riders that have been using uh, Ceramic Speed and Ceramic Speed X product uh, off-road and for mountain bike for years. Yeah, and I guess that should speak to the durability of those uh, ceramic bearings as well, right? Yeah, yeah it's a core, um, core piece for us. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, Another type of bearing that you guys, I don't remember when you launched it, but can, can you speak to me about the, the stereo bearings the, the non, that's now supposed to be sort of that you don't need to maintain? How is that even possible? Yeah, so that's um, our uh, SLT bearings, the solid lubricant technology, um, something that we actually learned from uh, first on our industrial side. Uh, we used these in a uh, food production facility um, that needed a bearing to hold up against a lot of sanitization <laughs> uh, and cleaning and such. Um, so a uh, solid lubricant basically is a polymer 
uh, that is baked into the bearing. So it goes in as a liquid and then it's hardened. Uh, and so now the balls and everything, all the physical space inside the bearing are completely filled up, um, not by a grease that's, uh, you know, that's porous, but actually by a solid polymer um, that's infused with oil. So it has a higher drag coefficient to it for sure because there's constant contact everywhere, but it can't have any contamination or any issues coming with uh, moisture and such getting inside the bearing. So there's nothing to maintain, so there's no maintenance to do. Um, so this is fantastic on things like headsets and pivot bearings where they don't need the super efficiency of a hybrid ceramic bearing, but rather they want the ultra durability. Um, and you know, found, we found the best way to do that is through this uh, solid lubricant technology, that polymer. And now this is not just my guess, but when you have those headsets, integrated cables and stuff, that's not so easy to take out and maintain those bearings. I, I, that's a perfect application, I would, I would presume. The, the timing here seems to have been uh, absolutely perfect. You know, the, the look of a fully integrated bike is certainly, you know, super clean and pro. But yeah, the downside there is if you have one of those designs that's just, you know, prone to having moisture and contamination getting in there, um, you know, definitely going to be, uh, you know, an ideal um, fix for that to give them you know, longer life between any needed service or, you know, checking it out. Yeah, uh, I might have to look into that in the near future uh, <laughs> without saying too much uh, about new bikes with integrated pieces on them. <laughs> <laughs> This has been super fun, Paul. Thank you very much for taking the time. Um, is there anything that you would like to round off with? Uh, no, this was a ton of fun. Uh, it's been a while since I got to join one of these. So, you know, very happy to you know, talk some of the new products and uh, things that can help for all types of riding and connect with guys over uh, on the European side. So thank super. you for, uh, for having me on and using the products. Thank you, Paul, and um, enjoy the rest of the day. I, I'm soon going to bed myself. It's uh, <laughs> past my bedtime. <laughs> no, Back to work here at home. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, before we end, I just want to know where, what's, what's your next ride? My next ride? Mm -hmm. um, uh, probably be commuting to the office tomorrow uh, for the next time I'm hopping on a bike. But uh, yeah, probably getting out in some mountain biking uh, here in the autumn. Um, this is prime, prime season for that here in Colorado. That sounds great. Colorado, I would love to go back there. I've been there once, but I would love to go there to cycle as well. I, I skied last time I was there. <laughs> Come on over, we'll show you around. I would love to. I'll, 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 take, I'll take that uh, <laughs> definitely any day of the week. I'll just have to talk to my family first. <laughs> yeah. Super. Thank you very much. Enjoy no the rest of the day. Cheers. Thanks, Marcus. Bye. Cheers.